If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. show at least for today thanks for tuning to it hope you're well appreciate you joining us i'm jeff that is director matthew we are online espn that's where you go to listen live via the streaming free always don't miss anything but if you do go back get caught up at your leisure as we'll post all three hours to apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts be on the lookout as they say uh you can email the show if you like jcs at 979 espnradio.com on twitter it's at j cameron show uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting day. Florida State getting a commitment for the 2023 class as we look back at uh, what we've talked about so far. Good news there. We did a What Them Kids Do in Last Hour. If you want to listen to that, you can, again, via the podcast when the show is over. But getting that commitment from Chris Parson, well thought of, depending on where you look at, uh, four-star quarterback for the 2023 class. Sees a significant uptick in what that class is thought to be. Now, I'm not diving deep into the 2023 class as we are so much eagerly anticipating 2021 season. 2022 class that is really, at this point, something that we're hanging our hat on. Those two are all verbals. You think it's hard to wait out an official commitment for the 2022 commitment list? Imagine doing that for the 2023 commitment list. Yeah, that's a toughie. We're just holding on for dear life to 2021. Sees a season worthy of a lot of yeses and signed, you know, yeses. The line which is dotted by Travis Hunter, A.J. Duffy, Alu Ba. Do they hold on to that young man? Tavius Woody, Bishop Thomas, Kayshawn Sapp, Sam McCall, Stud. You know, you've got guys that, uh, man, if that is a yes, Mortimer and Williams, the defensive end, uh, if those are yeses, things are looking up, as we like to do with the sounder here. So it's a little bit hard to kind of wrap your mind around 2023 just yet. But the news was good, and that tends to, uh, you know, be the case these days in the world of recruiting with the messaging from Mike Norvell and his staff and the – the visits that have proven to resonate with a lot of kids. That's good news. That means they have a plan. They're working the plan. It works, at least for now. Games will still be played. The uh, ACC kickoff continued today. Now, next segment, and this will be somewhat of a short segment because 
we uh, we have a, a, a chance, a, a wide uh, berth here in the 5 o'clock hour to be able to bring in Tom Lang once again from Charlotte, talk to him about, you know, he's boots on the ground right now for the ACC kickoff, and I wanted to get information about what Mike Norvell had to say today and also what Jordan Travis and, um, for that matter, you know, we, we can t- Mackenzie Milton and Jermaine Johnson, what they had to say. Uh, not a lot today. Uh, you know, th- it's, it's always so difficult when you're excited about the – Start of football, the you know football being on the horizon. Uh, Steelers and Cowboys are in camp; they've already started. Bucks start this weekend, so we're getting news. I mean, I don't know about you, I, I don't know that I can turn off enough notifications on my phone to stop getting fantasy football updates. Jesus, I'm trying to Matthew every waking second of the day. Hey, check our latest on. Whatever rankings, fantasy football. I don't. I'm in one. I'm in a league. I'm in a league that I've been in for years with guys that I absolutely adore. Guys that I love. Um, one of them being Matt Millar, dear friend, former producer extraordinaire of the Jeff Cameron Show. But if they weren't so, if I wasn't so close with those guys, I think I would have given up on fantasy football a long time ago. I was going to ask because you didn't do baseball this year. If you were going to do football this year, I walked away. I've, from- I've long since given up on football. Have you? Mm-hmm. A couple of years. I this league that I'm in is a lot of fun because I again I love the guys and we you know we bust balls we have a good time with each other and it's a lot you know and again I, I knowing those guys it makes it fun we have a draft we get together for the draft we do it up we have a good time but if it weren't that I would have walked away from it because you just I would just want to watch the damn game I want to watch the game without worrying about whether or not my tight end has six targets today or not you know or. This game over here that means nothing to me does have one of my featured players in a big matchup, and so I'm watching the game I want to watch, which is actual football, like this battle here, this strategy here, this line against that line matters to me. I'm going to watch this game play-to-play, quarter-to-quarter, because this is a great matchup. But I have to keep flipping back over to red zone because I've got to make sure my wide receiver in this nothing game is at least getting some, you know, some, some attention. You know, and, and it's just distracting from the actual football, which you love. Like, to me, there's an entire generation of kids that I've met. And this is not get off my lawn. This is just a fact. When you talk with people, there are people who view the statistics in fantasy football as a gauge to whether or not a team or a player is any good. And that's not how you gauge whether or not a football player is any good. Now, can the two overlap? Yes. Yes, they can. Can those be indicative of that? Yes, they, those numbers can be. But not always. I mean, every offense is built differently. Every team's goal is different given the personnel and what they're trying to do to play to their defense, the weather in which they play in the second half of the season. All this stuff plays into it. But just watching games, you get a sense of a team's identity as opposed to a mass of fantasy football statistics, and so it is distracting. Anyhow, I, let's just go off on a rant there. I shouldn't. It's a lot of fun for a lot of people, and Lord knows, you guys know, I'm I'm a sporting guy. I like to have some fun with all of this, and uh, there's that angle to it as well. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not judging it. It's just that it is distracting. But you've stayed with baseball. Okay. Yeah, baseball in the league that I was in was a fun league, but it was way too intricate. There was just a lot going on, man. And I, that day to day, having to immerse yourself with holds, and I'm like, no, man, I'm not. That's not what we're doing. It does, I think, for baseball, though. Admittedly, if I were going to choose one from the jump next year and just start fresh, I think I would do a league of baseball um, because it is the best way as a talk show host, a sports talk show host 
to stay current with those call-ups and those younger players that are emerging that you have to be aware of. You know, if you're if you're playing that, you're going to check Keith Law's latest on up-and-coming minor leaguers and whether or not the Red Sox or the Rays are going to call up their guys. You know, Yonder getting called up. You're like, okay, okay. Wander, I mean. Yeah, you guys joke all the time about me knowing every team's top ten prospects. You do. But that's the only. That's the only reason I know them. Yeah, because you got to be able to latch on, grab a guy when they're getting ready to get called up. You were the one who told me the other day if Boston's about ready to call up their guy. Yeah, Jaron Duran. Yeah, 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 and you knew it. You were like, oh, it's about to happen. Well, yeah, I knew why you knew it. There's a there's a money angle in all of this, trying to win some some fantasy. I I can't confirm that. <laughs> Back to Florida State football for a second. And again, we're going to talk here in a few minutes to Tom Wang and break down uh, and get the latest from him up there. Uh, Not a lot came out of uh, today's early session. Uh, Florida State was in the early session at media kickoff um, uh, for the ACC. Um, You know, obviously, Mike Norvell rightly began uh, with comments about Coach Bowden and his love for Coach Bowden and having the opportunity to have gotten to know Coach Bowden and how thankful he is. Mike has not misstepped in any way here. Uh, his comments have been spot on and talking about the season. I don't know that we could glean a lot from that, but he's very appreciative, of course, of having a, some semblance of normalcy back into his life as a coach where you could have an actual spring practice and all of the things that go with that, including a, a normal off season from you know, start to finish. This is uh, such a sense of relief for him, and you could pick that up in his voice. I think that's uh, readily apparent. He he picked three guys to go up there as well, in Jermaine Johnson, Mackenzie Milton, and Jordan Travis, who I think are the highest profile players on the team. Jermaine Johnson, some would argue, may end up being this year for Florida State the best player on the team. Mackenzie Milton, if he can return to form like he had at UCF, he doesn't have the team around him that they were, but if he's getting closer and closer to that, then he'll emerge as the best player on this team and has the biggest impact on the team. But the bottom line is he picked three guys that are very responsible, and their comments today bear that out. They're very much geared towards the team, um, a love for one another, an appreciation for what Coach Norvell and his staff are doing. But here's the kicker. While everybody this time of year, say, everybody that goes to these things, for the most part, there are a few exceptions, they they have rightfully kind of rehearsed their talking points. They have rightly kind of gone over, here's what you're going to say when you're asked this, and this is why this is important and all those things. You're just trying to find something that's a little bit insightful and or genuine. And I will say those three guys, as I described, very responsible, but I think also it is genuine. And, and, and I would encourage you not just to read the quotes, the quotes are the quotes. Go listen to them talk. Go watch that. Go to warchant.com and watch the video. And you'll be able to gather a little something. We'll gather a little bit more here in a moment. Tom Lane going to join us from Charlotte when we come back, and I'll ask him his thoughts on what we heard from Norvell. And uh, in particular, Jordan Travis, who may have conceded a little bit here, the idea that he may not start. Now, he didn't say that. Those are my words. But just kind of reading between the lines here on his comments, I want to hear Tom's thoughts on that. We'll do it next. Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio.
Opportunity to check back in with our colleague, my man, T. Lizzie, still in Charlotte. It would have been weird if he wasn't, given that yesterday was the Coastal and nobody really cares because this is uh, the Atlantic Day and Florida State uh, had first crack at it right off the bat. So they get the nuggets that they get, if you know, if you want to call these nuggets. Um, and that's not a knock on reporting. It's just that there was not a lot happening in Charlotte right now in the way of polarizing or insightful statements. But there is a little bit there because we did get to hear from Jermaine Johnson and Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton and, of course, Coach Norvell. So joining me to talk about it right now is Tom Lang, Warchant.com. Hello, good sir. How are you? Good afternoon, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. I feel like... Uh, you know, we're we're done with the big uh, reveal, if you will, the announcement, and uh, it was a uh, it, it was fun, but a little weird. And uh, I'm I'm ready to just get back to normal, so we can just talk about the games, the teams, and I am excited. I know this big picture, Tom. Today is great because, again, another indicator that football is starting. Not only because of you guys covering Florida State up there in Charlotte and the rest of the schools in the ACC, but. You know, Dallas is in camp, the Steelers are in camp, and our world champion Buccaneers start camp this weekend. So it's it's on, man. It's all starting. It is. It's nice to be able to look at Twitter, which I use as a news source and not as um, a way to show how cool I am or something like that, and actually have a lot of stuff between camps to talk about Oklahoma and Texas, and then that I'm a hockey fan, so the Seattle Kraken draft, and then, I mean, you look for football nuggets, and you'll find them in spades, man, like by the half dozen or dozen. So it's nice to be in that groove. Um, here's hoping that obviously there are no variants that slow that down. But, I mean, it's full steam ahead here. Like I said yesterday, this if you didn't know, if you were in some sort of hyperbaric chamber for over a year and didn't know that COVID was a thing, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it now because this feels very much like it used to. So I like that, and obviously I like having more to pick on than less to pick on. That's where we're going. We're getting out of the doldrums. Yeah, I have a question for you. This might be weird, but I am curious. You brought it up just now because it certainly was the talk. I think it was the overriding story yesterday, aside from the the sad you know news that Coach Bowden has a terminal illness, and obviously there were a lot of responses across the ACC, the SEC, and anybody who really cares about football weighed in on Coach Bowden, his legacy, and, and his life. Um, but the other big story was the fact that Texas and Oklahoma, according to the Houston Chronicle, reached out to the Southeastern Conference to to gauge interest, whether or not they could join the conference. Well, a couple of things there. First of all, effectively, that ends the Big 12 if it happens. It's no longer a conference of any note. They would crumble. I don't know. We'd see a mass exodus, exodus of teams trying to find another place to reside. It would instantly render uh, Oklahoma State useless. Obviously, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, and the like, TCU, you name it, cannot carry that conference as a Power Five representative. So there are a lot of nervous people throughout the Big 12 about the idea of Texas and Oklahoma, the two most significant powerhouses in that conference, making their way to the SEC. What was the response at ACC Media Days? Because it matters to the ACC schools as well. I imagine that was a bit of the chatter last night for you guys. Yeah, it made the rounds, and I was so tunnel visioned yesterday because obviously we wanted to make sure that we covered the Bobby Bowden news properly and got you know, um, 
we got to hear from Mac Brown and, and David Cutcliffe and, and yeah. Coach Rick is here and EJ Manuel's here. And so we were hunting all those things down. So I was about an hour to an hour and a half late to the party on that one. I couldn't believe it. And then you're right. The conversations are happening all across. And, and my take on it is, you know, I would imagine that A&M and LSU wouldn't be thrilled no. with the additions of, of Texas and Oklahoma. And so if it can be lobbied over their head that those two institutions would join the SEC, I mean, I, so what if Florida's pissed or Georgia's pissed that we could join the SEC? Because you know me, man, I'm just all about that earning potential. And so if this thing turns into an absolute college football nuclear bomb, then maybe there's opportunities for Florida State to make a move or for the ACC to poach some, some name programs and, and make its way into a, a you know one of those four super conference ideas that we talked about all those years ago when realignment started right at the first uh, the outset of our time on the FM dial. So maybe that's where it goes, but it, it's um I, I just every it's the it's the favorite conversation when nobody's covering their local beat. It's everybody's favorite conversation around here and it's it, you just wonder if these are the first dominoes to fall where we have another situation like we did about 10 years ago. Yeah, and I think it makes people very nervous because if Florida State was unable to shake free of the ACC and make their way into the SEC, then you're talking about a vastly inferior competition because the ACC would then add West Virginia. They'd fight yeah. like hell to add Notre Dame. Notre Dame seems um, unwavering in their efforts to stay independent. Who knows if this would shake that up. But they would have to bring in Notre Dame. They would have to, I suppose, settle on a West Virginia and then probably UCF, USF, something like that. It just doesn't measure up if all of a sudden Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC to already go with the superpowers there. This thing is, is a wash. Uh, you're, oh, <laughs> you're not winning that battle. It's a total mess. Well, and that's it. Well, the amazing thing, man, if you don't sign your conference life away for 15 extra years for no reason, <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have a little bit of leverage when a contract comes up. And that's one of the discussions we had yesterday with Jim Phillips talking was that, you know, the Comcast deal with ESPN was due up at the end of this year, early next year, you can start to have discussions in earnest to place a channel like the ACC Network on a cable company that we all freaking have in the footprint uh, as a Florida State fan, as a Miami fan, other fans in the Mid-Atlantic. It's amazing the leverage you can create for yourself when a contract is coming up, and it's just that is the big question, is if those dominoes do in fact fall, are there more institutions? say, a Clemson or a Miami, who would be game to, I don't know, find a way to get the vote to allow us, you know, uh, our way out of a grant of rights. But that is, uh, that's where my head goes, because I'm selfish, and I want this university and athletic department to have as much money as freaking possible. And, and you're right, if it was to come to pass that it was Texas, Oklahoma, and some other big-name programs, the SEC and the Notre Dame and West Virginia joins the ACC, good Christmas. I don't know how you can make that happen and how you can stem the tide of, of the gap between the monies that would be made for the SEC and the ACC. I think it would only widen at that point. It would have to. Yeah, I would think so, too. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, there's a long way to go to get from here to there, but obviously it does spark the conversation. All right, let's bring it back to Florida State because they had first crack at it this morning. You're there in Charlotte. I'm talking to Tom Lang, Warchant.com. Uh, about the ACC kickoff, ACC meetings. I guess we'll start with Mike Norvell. I saw him and listened to him, and certainly subsequently prior to the show starting today, went back and read his quotes. Not a lot there. 
Not a lot that we haven't heard before or certainly talked about and thought about. I mean, some of it's just obvious, right? I mean, having a real offseason, having, you know, a normal offseason with his players and those players with Coach Storms and being able to implement, you know, their, their mindset, their ethos, all of that. Obviously, he's thankful for it. He did touch on the the, the incredible difficulties of last year and, and some of the, the highs and the lows of last year. Anything stand out to you about what Mike Norvell had to say when he took to the dais? So we were doing the math yesterday when the commissioner spoke and he said that, you know, a little over half of the institutions in the ACC hit the 85% threshold yep. of uh, COVID protocols and vaccines. And that was one of the first questions that Mike got this morning. Uh, credit to Florida State Sports Info, Derek Satterfield, and everybody over there to give the local beat a little extra time before they hit the podium for TV. Uh, we haven't hit. Florida State has not hit the 85% yet. And uh, Norvell said that they're close to getting there. So the one thing that comes up from an operational standpoint is what extra stuff do they have to do or what extra things can they not do um, because they haven't hit the threshold? And are there extra protocols that come into play? So. That was the first newsworthy thing. But other than that, you know, just in, in talking to him and hearing from the players, what you're alluding to, it's that the strength program, having that and the continuity of it over the summer is huge. Uh, Player-run practices, PRPs, that was a big deal, obviously, that they couldn't have those last year to further install the program. And then also the continuity with some of these players. Jermaine Johnson got in in the spring. McKenzie came here in the spring as well, so they're able to instill their leadership processes. And then Jordan Travis is able to participate from spring into summer. Last year, Mike said today, you know, the first week of practice for him was Georgia Tech. And if you looked at the entirety of the season, he probably got more good practice time this past spring than the 2020 season as a whole. So development, I think, has been the key. And one of the other key things that he kept hitting on was that Florida State was the youngest team in college football. I haven't looked and verified if that's actually true, but we certainly know that they were a very, very young team. And so I, I think he was trying to hammer that home, that last year was a year of inexperience become, uh, becoming more experienced, and then obviously bringing some veteran presence in here to help set the standard. So I think those were the talking points he was looking to execute today, and, and obviously he did across the multiple forum. Jordan Travis is interesting to me because you and I, on these airwaves, on the Jeff Cameron Show, had a lot of conversations about what would happen if Jordan Travis lost the quarterback battle to McKenzie Milton. And I think one of the last conversations we had, Tom, on the air before you left for greener pastures, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the last conversations we had on that subject, uh, I remember saying to you, like, that'll be interesting to hear him answer questions about the quarterback battle with McKenzie Milton because on the one hand – if you're in the middle of a fierce competition, you, you don't want to uh, show your underbelly. You don't want to show that you've contemplated the idea of possibly losing that battle. I mean, you, you wouldn't give it a thought while you're in the midst of that battle. It would only be afterwards and the subsequent loss of the quarterback fight uh, that you would have to contemplate what your future is and what your role is. But during it, you certainly don't give it any thought because you're too immersed in it. And yet I felt like his comments today suggested that he has thought about what his role would be potentially if he doesn't win the job. And that doesn't make him weak, and I'm not trying to imply that it does. It's just interesting to me. He sounds like a guy who understands that it's a distinct possibility he won't win the quarterback battle, 
and moreover showed a willingness to perhaps play a different role within the offense this year if in fact he doesn't which is a great indicator of selflessness and willingness to you know to do whatever is necessary for this group to get better did you see it that way yeah 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 one thing that was apparent um because again we got him in a breakout before they hit the tv podium and then there is the, the group breakout that the national and regional media can talk to them as well and in asking them four or five different ways different reporters myself anybody you get the sense that the two quarterbacks who came here, and think about that for a moment. Corey Clark wrote an article from the beach about uh, the two quarterbacks coming here, and maybe that would be one of the first times, if if not the first time in Power 5, that in a media day you bring two quarterbacks. I mean, think about that. That's just kind of a bizarre concept. But I, they were asked a lot of different ways. You guys get along? Is this competition? <laughs> you know, Is this a healthy one? Or is there an adversarial relationship? And you're not expecting somebody to say, yeah, I don't like that guy. But you can tell that, that they're on the same page. And, and I think there's a big difference between conceding that you're not going to win the job and contemplating that you, you might not, or maybe you probably won't. And, and I think that's the line that, that Jordan Travis Thomas told today, which is, it's entirely possible I'm not going to be the guy this year. But, you know, let's let fall camp play out. If I'm on the field at the same time as Mackenzie Milton, that's the first thing he said. It'd be a blessing if we could be on the field at the same time. That raised my eyebrows. Um, and then, obviously, you double back and you talk to McKenzie, and he says that, well, there are certain things that I just can't do that he does, and I shake my head at, and he does the same. And when we have our conversations, it's always about what did you see, and it's back and forth, and we volunteer information. It, just, it does seem like there's a bit more of a kumbaya that's legitimate, not just between the quarterbacks, but from the top on down, from the coach, the quarterbacks that came here today, like Jermaine Johnson and what he's talked about today with the defensive line and, and the defense as a whole and, and the leadership he's going to bring to the table. It does seem like, for a lack of talent, which they do have, it seems like for once in, in a few years now, maybe a handful of years, uh, everybody's kind of on the same page and pulling in the same direction. And what a difference that will be from, you know, especially last year. It's just It was too disjointed with the pandemic to even have a chance. So I, I think that's where things are trending today, and that's the general sense you get from both the offensive, defensive players, and that coach. Well, it's exciting, I think, for the fan base to hear that there is a genuine sense of togetherness and the players speak on it even without prompted. You know, like hearing Jermaine Johnson, I talked about it before, and he reiterated it um, this, this, you know, this week in Charlotte. But I talked about how cool it was for me just to talk with him at, at Coach Norvell's house during that whole spring thing that we did and just asking him off the cuff, like, because I, I was, I was well aware that he was the kind of talent that could have gone really into any locker room of these elite teams, Alabama, Ohio State, and look like he fits in, right? He could walk through the door and people would go, oh, yeah, that makes sense that he's here. Absolutely. And he had opportunities, right, besides Florida State. I mean, who wouldn't have wanted him having been productive at Georgia in the SEC, looking the way he does and being the leader that he is? He's a smart kid, too. Um, so why would you choose Florida State, given that they went 3-6 and six a year ago? Why would you choose Florida State when, listen, I don't care who's, you could be the most optimistic amongst us. Nobody thinks that team's winning the Atlantic Division and thus not going to a playoff. So why would you choose Florida State? And he pointed to Mike Norvell that day when uh, I was over there that evening, and he did it again today. So that seems very genuine. You have multiple players throughout the spring and now here in Charlotte, and you got both quarterbacks saying nice things about it. We don't expect him to say negative things, but it seems to me that it uh, it's genuine, their appreciation for Coach Norvell and what he's laid out before them as far as the mission statement and plan to get there. 
yeah, it just seems realistic. And, and you, you can sense that, you know, Coach Norvell and the staff have their hands on the situation, right? Uh, they may not be able to govern practices in the summer, but they have a very good pulse of, of what's going on. And that, you just couldn't do that last year. Plain and simple with the way the pandemic laid things out for us in terms of protocols and, and the interactions that you could have. It's just not something that was realistic last year, especially for a first-year coach. But it, there just does seem to be a little bit more of a comfort level. And think about it from Jordan Travis' perspective, just quickly and aside. Okay, you go to Louisville. You expect that you're going to compete for a starting job. You have a coaching change. It's a total disaster. You come down here and you play for Willie. Like, what a, what a disaster of a first few years. If you're talking about trying to be around a culture that makes you better. And he remarked on that today. He said, you know, in the years I've been in college football, I don't feel like I've ever had a family in a locker room. And this is the first time it feels like a family where people actually have each other's backs. They don't say they will. They actually do. That's the sense that I get here. And, and again, it's realistic because none of these guys are talking about it. And you've been to ACC kickoffs or other media availabilities where, you know, Wake Forest back in the day or Boston College, they're talking about things like, 10, 11 wins, and you're like, all right, well, that kid's delusional. Right. They, they're talking about Jermaine Johnson and Mackenzie Milton specifically. Like, I want to be a part of the solution today, and I want to come back here five years from now and say I, w- I was a part of the beginning of the term. So they were not sold a bag of goods to come here because they were immediately going to compete with Clemson for the Atlantic. They, uh, they very much realized where they are, where Florida State's position is, but they've got the chip on their shoulder to prove and the incentive to, to prove that, you know, they have wares for the next level, certainly in, in Jermaine's, uh, in his example. And and then, obviously, um, they want to be a part of the reason to come back in five years and be proud to be an old. They, they talked about that today as well. That you know, just because I'm here for a year doesn't mean that this is going to be the only year you're going to see me in Tallahassee. So, you know, for, after years of culture issues, infighting, uh, different clicks in the locker rooms, it, it does sound nice just from a media perspective and a fan's perspective, that these guys kind of get the task at hand, the task in front of them, and, and they're ready to attack. Final thing, Tom, as I uh, kind of pick your brain here, you're there in Charlotte covering the ACC kickoff for Warchant.com. You know, after yesterday's announcement, and it was a lot of fun to do that, and Gene was here in studio, um, I got a lot of emails and a lot of Twitter responses and, and all of that, and that's always great. But one of the things that I thought was most interesting is that the vast majority of the people who reached out said, hey, congratulations, that's great. What do you think about maybe getting eight wins? Like the, It immediately <laughs> turned to what it's been all offseason, regardless of the news, right? It's, can we get to eight wins? Because people just are tired of losing. They're tired of their football season, you know, building to it in their mind, then physically showing up, and it's the grand opening, grand closing, because we always lose one of the first two games, and it is over. And yet, you know, we're a decided underdog for this first game, so nobody would be shocked by that. But people still just want to know that, is there something that I can hang on to? Is there hope? I'm curious to take those questions and posit this to you. The collective media there and looking at the Atlantic, have you got a sense for those that cover this conference day in and day out like we do where they think Florida State will be, people outside of the Florida State beat, people outside the fan base that we respect and certainly we know and read their stuff? You got a sense of uh, where they think Florida State's at? Yeah, I do. Bottom barrel of the Atlantic. Mm. That's where they expect this team to be this year. Um, You talk to anybody – who took the time to put together a preseason all-ACC team, and they said, how weird is it? I, I really I have to force it to put a Florida State player 
anywhere on that list. Um, the other talking points are, all right, you could put Miami and North Carolina in whatever order you want. One's in the Coastal, the rest is a wash. Put Clemson at number one in the Atlantic, the rest is a wash. I, I think everybody's fairly grounded, and this is where, you know, I'll give us credit, too, in our conversation. Like, well, you know, it, it's not illegal to be the little team that could, even though this program has obviously been much, much more than that for decades upon decades. There's nothing illegal about a, a Florida State team playing over its head because it's prepared every week, like the Wake Forest and the BCs of the world that used to upset upset Florida State back in the day. But, you know, I think the consensus here is you've got to show me that, that you're better than fifth or sixth in your division before I'm going to put you down in my preseason ballot at that level. You got some good pieces. It looks like you've got the right guy, but I don't think it's, you know, this year is the year for you. That's what they say. Now, we'll see what, you know, the team has to say about it. And you and I both know that week three, when they travel up to Snuggy Hill, that <laughs> is a massive game that the fortunes of uh, where they're going to finish in the Atlantic. But I don't, I don't find many people who are bullish about Florida State up here. Actually, I don't know that I've heard one person bullish about Florida State up here who isn't at least somewhat connected to the program. And by bullish, you would say anybody who predicts Florida State fifth or better. <laughs> in the right, Atlantic. Exactly, like seven wins. Like yeah. That's like hugely bullish, right? You know, like. Exactly. I, I think most everybody, you know, it's a show and prove year, and, and the prove the definition of prove has fallen so far that like a fourth place finish would be a proof. It's just nuts. But that's the that's the world we live in, man. It's a it's, uh, it's yeah. crickets outside of Clemson, and, and yesterday, obviously, uh, Mac Brown is is a folks guy that everybody wants to talk about and talk to, and, and Miami's a program that they'll give a little bit of time to. But it's it's Clemson and everybody else. And I just recall when we were at Pinehurst almost ten years ago. And it was the exact opposite. It was Jimbo and Florida State, and who the hell cares? Who else does that? It's kind of bizarre. It is bizarre. And I know that ballroom very well. I know those uh, escalators that you've traveled in that uh, hotel uh, this uh, these last two days. And I know Charlotte well. And there's good and there's bad to all of it. I know by tomorrow morning you'll be ready to roll. Great work up there, of course. Uh, I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for uh, jumping in with me, brother. And I'll see you when you get back. Safe travels and, and good work. Thanks, brother. As always, hit up WarChance.com. Company yeah. man. Well, well done. Well done. That's, uh, that's my man, T. Lizzie, up there for WarChant.com, my, uh, my colleague at WarChant.com. Uh, I want to come back and respond to that just for a second because obviously we also uh, have probables to get to and, and we'll sign out. But um, damn it, man. You know, I think the only thing that you would hear somebody say at ACC kickoff today that they're bullish about in regards to Florida State that's a good thing is that Florida State's better than Syracuse. The rest is up for debate. I'm talking about in the Atlantic. Better than Syracuse, and you're going to get an argument whether or not Florida State's better than Wake, Louisville, Boston College, NC State. That'll hurt your feelings. Jeff Cambridge, 97 died, ESPN Radio.
Braves, Phillies, tonight, right here, 97.9 ESPN Radio. We'll have it for you as Director Matthews, Phillies, pace the Braves, throw their chips to the middle of the table, stop screwing around with this sorry 47-47 and record and make it happen. Here comes the turnaround, Matthew, and it all begins with Matt Moore besting Charlie Morton. Mm. <laughs> Don't like the matchup, do you? No. No, that's a tough one. Matt Moore was good in like 2009. Need him to be good tonight. I'm going to need Matt Moore to be good tonight. Rays, Tribe, Luis Patino going for the Rays. The Indians will throw Cal Quantrill. And uh, the Rays are are good. They're 57 and 39. Padres, Marlins. We've got Blake Snell, formerly of, of course, the Rays. By the way, I... I screwed up, and that's why you were giving me a little wiggle room there, and I didn't pick up on your cues. Well done, Director Matthew. Probable is brought to you by our friends at North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years. Just saw the boys the other day. We had a nice cup of joe. Offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Blake Snell going for the Padres. The Marlins are TBD. Yankees, Red Sox. Is it just me or the Yankees and Red Sox playing every day for two months? What the hell? Jordan Montgomery going to go for the Yanks. Tanner Houck going for the uh, Red Sox. Cubs, Cardinals. Adbert. Alzale going for the Cubs. We've got uh, Kwang Young Kim going for the Cardinals. Nailed it. Angels, Twins, Andrew Haney, and Kenta Maida. A's, Mariners, Sean Manaya, Chris Flexen. Good pitcher. Good name. Giants, Dodgers, Anthony DeScalfini, Walker Bueller, Trapper Keeper. 10-1 with a 2-3-7. Walker Bueller is having none of your nonsense. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Giannis go through the drive-thru and get 50 nuggets? I did. Not 49, not 51, but 50 nuggets. I also like that he asked the girl whether or not he could film the exchange. And she said, sure. And he said, okay, you're live to 175,000 people right now. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, He just strikes me as so genuine. I really have enjoyed the talking points post-Bucks championship because they've all centered around praising a guy who seems absolutely genuine. Like, when you grow up as a fan, this is the guy. Like, you want players who are this way, right? Guys who are passionate about playing for the team that drafted them and wanting to, you know, not only be a great player in their own right and working towards that end, but also being a great teammate and then representative of the franchise and also eventually – because of their support, falling in love with the fans and wanting to do something for them too. It's not required of you. I mean, if you're a great player in any sport and you've put yourself in a position to be paid handsomely for it, all you owe the team that drafts you is to give your all each and every day to that end, to be the best player you can be, the guy that they drafted for your skill set. But it is awfully nice 
when you reveal a much more human side to what you are beyond just being able to run fast and jump high. Right? It's really nice when you see that the guy somewhere in there is not only just this incredible work ethic and athleticism, but this humanity that we can relate to and, uh, and, and, and warm up to and root for. And then to see it given back, well, man, if I'm an owner of a team or a GM of a team or a coach of a team and I have that guy and he's genuinely that way, I'm on cloud nine because who doesn't follow that into battle, man? Who doesn't want then to become something akin to that? Because it's universally beloved, praised, cheered for. It's just, it's infectious. It is absolutely infectious. And we don't always get it. You know, one of the things that I've been very vocal about over the years is the praise that I've given somebody like LeBron James. You think about LeBron James, never been in trouble, a day in his life, came from nothing, was poor, single-parent household, uh, tough part of Ohio, uh, and and yet he, he was uh, lauded as the next great superstar akin to Michael Jordan, right, from the time he was like 14 years old. And yet, I think within reason it can be said that uh, – LeBron James has not only lived up to said hype, has cared immensely about where it was he was from and, and, and representing that community and, and, and then reaching out and establishing, uh, on a, a, golly, a ton of charitable organizations that give back to the city, and, um, and he's won. And he's been, you know, really good about it. I mean, I, you, that's, what you, that's all you ask for. That's all you can ask for. So... The NBA's in good hands. I mean, you got the waning years of LeBron, but you have a guy like Giannis that is eminently um, uh, likable and, and certainly somebody that anybody can root for. And then I think you've you've been lucky enough to have your championships now dispersed uh, away from just the major markets. So you've got a good thing going here. Good work out of you, Matthew. Thanks to all of you who listened. Appreciate you. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. Situations tolerable, but baby.